Hey everybody, it's Miss USA 1996, Allie Landry, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, TV and pageant host, entrepreneur, author, and somebody who just wants to help you become better. Now, if you're wondering what life looks like after pageants, the advice, the stories, and the interviews that you hear on this podcast will not only inspire you, but help make your transition from pageants to professional life a bit easier to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us. Let's get started. The first runner-up is Miss Kansas, Ellie Landry, Miss Louisiana. You are the new Miss USA. That is host Bob Gowen naming Allie Landry Miss USA 1996 on South Padre Island. She was also Miss Louisiana Teen USA in 1990, and she was also the first teen delegate winner to also win the Miss USA crown. She was also a commentator for the Miss Teen USA pageant in 1998 and a judge for the 2016 Miss USA pageant. She hit mainstream stardom when in 1998 she became the spokesperson for the Doritos Chips brand and appeared in Super Bowl TV commercials three consecutive years in a row as the quote Doritos girl. She also landed recurring roles in Felicity, Two Guys and a Girl, Sunset Beach and Popular. Her sudden rise to fame landed her on People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People in the World list in 1998 alongside Leonardo DiCaprio and Gwyneth Paltrow. She also hosted the music talk show FarmClub.com, NBC's Spy TV, and Wii's Full Frontal Fashion, which led to her first Times Square billboard, and also fashion raps on TV Guide Network and numerous other shows. From 2003 to 2006, she was a regular cast member of the UPN sitcom Eve, and she was also runner-up on the show Fear Factor and is also an avid athlete and participated in the Boston Marathon. Her house has been featured on E's Celebrity Homes and MTV's Cribs. She's also been listed as one of FHM Magazine's 100 Sexiest Women in the World numerous times. In 2012, she became the new face and spokesmodel of Palmer's Cocoa Butter Formula. Today, she is the founder of Reshape, an online platform where she can share her adventures and personal network of her most trusted specialists and her favorite products with women around the world. She and her husband Alejandro have three children and reside in Los Angeles. Allie Landry, it is honestly a true honor to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh my God. I'm so excited and I hope I live up to that introduction. You know, it's so funny. I forgot half of that stuff. I was like, oh wow. I was on a billboard in Times Square. <laughs> oh my gosh, was I in People Magazine 50 Most Beautiful with Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm such a fan of hers. Um, oh my gosh, that was kind of cool to do that recap. Well, I, I haven't heard you, all that stuff in a long you, time. You know you've had a successful career when you forgot that you were on a Times Square billboard. I mean, come on. I actually, to be totally honest, I totally forgot about that. Now I need to try to find that picture <laughs> and show my daughter. Yeah, she, I would love to see the it. The funny, yeah, oh, that was cool. I remember that. Wow. wow. So you, you grew up yeah. in uh, Bro Bridge, Louisiana. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, I now host the <laughs> Miss Louisiana pageant that you won twice, by the way. Yeah. Um, so what's it yeah. like to you know what's it like to grow up in Louisiana? You know, I grew up in a very small town, 
I went to a private school growing up with nuns as my teacher. They were pretty tough. <laughs> you know, they used that. I think I remember them like spanking with a paddle or I never got spanked, thank goodness, but the boys did. Those days. Um, cons- a conservative town. Uh, I have a very large family, as I said numerous times, as I just watched back the Miss USA telecast. I was like, could I have said one more time that I have 14 <laughs> sets of aunts and uncles and 47 first cousins? I think I said it 10 times. That's really all I knew, you know? So it was amazing growing up in, a, in, in that area and being so close to my family and my friends and sort of where you know everybody. But even growing up there, I, I always knew that I was like, it, I was destined for more. Like, I, I never thought that I was going to stay there forever. But now that I'm older and I'm not living there, when I go there, I literally want to hug the oak trees because I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> trees. this is so beautiful. Look at the beautiful bayou. And oh, if I could have a house, here. you know, like now I appreciate it so much. But when I was younger and that slow pace and small town, you know, I really just wanted to get out and see the world and experience life. Guess. And growing, that's what Miss Louisiana was for me, really, competing. Growing up in such a big family, did you look at that as an advantage or a disadvantage? I mean, I don't think I looked at it either way. I think it just was, it is what it is, was what it was, right? You know, it's all I knew. But I mean, it, it's, I wouldn't trade that for the world. The best part of it all. Yeah, I always you... call it one-stop shopping. I go back <laughs> home and, you know, there's eight children on my dad's side, 10, um, no, 10 on my dad's, eight on my mom's. And they all sort of live, live on big pieces of land, right? Like six or seven houses on two big pieces of land. So when I go to visit like my aunt, I can probably see seven cousins, a couple of other aunts or uncles, you know, that's why I say one-stop shopping. A true family reunion. Sometimes. Yeah. So you win Miss Louisiana Teen USA in 1990. Then of course you win mm-hmm. Miss Louisiana USA in 96 and then go on to win the Miss USA title. Now, Um, Mm -hmm. This is my opinion. You are one of the most Mm well-known former Miss USA's of the last 25 years. You know, can you talk? Yeah, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Can you talk about life before you were crowned versus life after and really what the title enabled you to do? Oh, my gosh. That's good. That's cool. Um, You could see I'm so far removed. (laughs) I have no idea. Like, really? That's really cool. So before, you know, like I said, I growing up in a really small town um, and competing in Miss Louisiana, I always thought was sort of not I I hate to say my way out because that sounds harsh because I do love where I grew up. (laughs) But I knew that I wanted to do more. And for me, I I begged my mom. I was like, Mom, can I please compete in Miss Louisiana? And she's like, Allie, I'm so busy, you know, because she knew that she'd have to put in the time. I was like, Mom, I promise I'll do it all myself. I'll have Miss Jan from down the road make my dress. I promise it won't cost a lot of money. Miss Jan did make my dress, by the way, that I had designed myself. I have to be beautiful. Um, and I, after winning Miss Louisiana, my goal at that point, because I was in college, um, my goal was to get a job. That's all I cared about. I, I'm competitive by nature. So, of course, Miss USA was always in the back of my mind. Because like, I'm going to get a job. So I do not have to, my first job out of, you know, college doesn't have to be bringing somebody coffee. So I'll never forget, um, there was a company that Paula Miles was sort of working with at the time. And I secured a job with that company, PR, doing uh, in a seismic data uh, 
oil, a company that was doing seismic data, right? I mean, imagine me doing like yeah, seismic data exciting. for an oil company. <laughs> Super exciting. But at that time, it was great. And that company was in Houston. So in my mind, I was like, yes, mission accomplished. Like, I got the job. And then, of course, you have to go on, you know, to Miss USA. So, again, me being very competitive competitive by nature, but not competitive in a threatening way to other girls. I don't think, you know, it's just my personal, that personal thing I have with myself. So I always went in there and I, I was like, okay, so I'm here, right? So I guess I, I have to really try to, I want to win. I want to win this thing. And, you know, I did a lot of visual visualization at the time. I knew like it was, you know, like all girls who are competing, those two weeks are tough that you're there. You know, we were there for two weeks for Miss USA, the rehearsals and, you know, the interviews and all, all that led up to it. And I could see, I mean, it's amazing to me that I was wise, that wise at that age because I was like, in the end, these girls are all gorgeous, right? So I was like, in the end, it's going to be a mental game. It's who, you know, survival of the fittest. But I always thought it's going to be, you have to be really smart to win this. And you can see during the rehearsals, I started seeing girls getting intimidated by other girls, like looking at girls' dresses or their bodies or their, you know, whatever it was. And they were kind of like dropping like flies, mm -hmm. not literally, but you know, like you could see their <laughs> self-esteem kind of went down and they kind of, you know, they sort of went to the back. And so in the end, for me, it was very clear who the top, like for me, it was clear who the top three was going to be. And I, when I was up there, I, I remember the night before, I always tell this to people because I think it's so funny, you know, every single night you were there, you were going to a, an event or a function, like, so you're exhausted. So I don't know how you can be like in game mode for that final night, because really you're so tired. You're just, mm -hmm. you know, so worn out. So I played sick the night before the competition. I told my chaperone, I do not feel good. I cannot go to this dinner. <laughs> and I remember, I remember getting in the bath, like everybody else left. So I didn't have roommates in the room with me. I was by myself. I was able to sit down. I remember like really visualizing that night. And I was, and I was also praying. I was like, if I am called, I'm, I'm in the last three, please let me be the first one called because I know mentally me going into that at the time, it was one of those glass, you know, it's like they put you in a glass, not a container. Oh, you're talking about the actual questions. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The final three questions, they put you in a glass. Let's just call it a container. Chamber. That sounds actually really funny. <laughs> chamber. Chamber is a good word. Okay. A glass chamber. Put you in a glass chamber. And I thought, please don't let me be like this. Let me be the first one called. So I don't have to go into that glass chamber and then watch those other girls answer that question because the anticipation is just going to get the best of me and I'm going to be so nervous and I don't know what I'm going to say. So it was so funny that that night I was called first. I was the first one called out of the top three. And in my mind, I was like, okay, God, like, thank you very much. I got this. <laughs> like, I got it from I here. Really, yeah, I got it. I got it. Like, thank you. You just, you gave me my thing. Like, let's go. Let's do this. So in my mind, like, I felt like that was a sign that I was called first because that's really what I was praying about. Cause I knew that was like my one hurdle. Like I, that, I don't know if I could have handled that mentally. So, you know, after that, like literally the next day after winning, I remember I, you know, they packed up my suitcases. I probably did a little press. I was on a plane. I got off of the plane and walked on to a set of a talk show. And I think that entire year, uh, it, it moved so fast. And I really don't remember much of it. Thank God for pictures. Because 
<laughs> you know, you really have to perform. I mean, you were thrown into this situation and you really have to step up to the plate because a lot is required of you at that time. And I was just watching back. I was watching Miss USA and literally cringing through it because like, oh my gosh, I had such a slow Southern drawl, you know, <laughs> and I was such a baby. And then I saw like for Miss Universe, I was like, okay, I'm speaking a little better now. Like this, I could see like I'm out in the world. I'm, you know, that was cool. And then when I was giving up my crown, I was just like so comfortable in front of the camera and with a microphone in front of my face. It was kind of like second nature. So life definitely changed after. Like, it's still like there was two shifts. There was that year of Miss USA. And then it was that after giving up the title and figuring out like how I'm going to move forward after this. Right. And now that I'm in this business and the entertainment business, which I wasn't even sure if I wanted to get into, like, how am I going to like navigate this because at the time it really wasn't uh, cool, right? To be mm-hmm. Miss USA because people didn't really take you seriously. So I, I, I didn't say it forever for a long time. I didn't have it on my resume and have it anywhere. People would find out. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I found myself, you know, in situations where, you know, I was always trying to prove myself like, yes, I'm smart. Yes. I'm, you know, all this stuff. And when I would shake, especially a man's hand, I would like lock eyes, and, you know, that handshake was a firm handshake. <laughs> Iron grip, I, huh? Yeah, because I really wanted to be taken seriously. So, you know, I've noticed like such a growth in myself as a person, like through that process. But that was a huge leap, you know, after winning Miss USA. Like that year was, I, there was so much growth personally, for sure. Well, let me ask you this. If, if it wasn't really a, a cool thing to be Miss USA at that time, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it was still cool in some ways. What was the desire to really go after that title for you? Well, again, it all started from like, I'm, I'm always, I was always in sports. So it's just, again, I'm a competitor and I wanted a job. I didn't want to start out. That's why I competed in Miss Louisiana. Honestly, that's what, that's what happened. I wanted to compete in Miss Louisiana because I wanted to secure a job because I didn't want to have to bring somebody coffee. That was it. That was really the end all at that point. And then after winning Miss USA, then I was like, wait a second. You know, growing up in Louisiana at the time, I mean, now look, the entertainment industry is there. They're shooting movies until, you know, it's there now, right? At the time, as a young girl growing up there, that was never even in my, that was never a dream of mine. I didn't even know that was possible. You know, California and that business seems so far away. So, yeah, I just Mid- wanted a job. Miss USA, because I didn't want to bring people coffee. I love it. That's right. <laughs> I love that, it. That's I love it. true. I want to tap into something that you said because it's a little bit of deja vu. So I talked to Olivia Jordan just a couple of weeks ago, and she literally mm-hmm. almost mentioned the exact same thing you did in that before the pageant, she did a lot of visualization. And one of her mm-hmm. visualizing uh, aspects was, I want to be the first one called out in the top five in this case. No. And sure enough, the both of you were <laughs> the first called out and you two won. So talk about, I, I guess, I, I think for the girls who are pre- prepping for Miss USA right now, talk yes. about that visualizing process and kind of how you approached it beforehand. I think number one, you know, you have to go in confident, right? You have to go in a whole human being, secure with yourself, being present, being in the moment. You cannot, you know, you really have to have blinders on uh, because when you're in that, it's like a pressure cooker, right? Those two weeks. And all of those girls have been preparing as much as you have. You really have to, you know, keep your eye on the prize and do not worry about 
anybody else. Yes, make friends and, of course, be nice and kind and all of that. But, you know, you're in your own lane. So do not worry about anybody else. And like anything, I mean, you hear the, everybody does it. I don't even know where I heard that from at 19. Um, you know, like the whole visualization kind of thing. But I, maybe it was from sports. I don't know. But I think like, you know, I, I even do it now. And sometimes I forget to do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that actually works. Let me do it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always do whatever my fear might be. I um, imagine myself, you know, stepping inside of that fear and what that would look like for me. Because, you know, when you step into fear and you get on that other side of it, there is absolutely everything you've ever wanted. So for me specifically for that night, it was, I was, you know, again, small town. I was never on live television before. I wasn't used of a mic being shoved in front of my face and speaking somewhat intelligently, which I don't know if I accomplished that, but I won. So let's just go with it. Um, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't, this was all brand new to me. I was away from my parents, my family. It was a lot of pressure, you know, but again, I just kind of really focused in. And at the time, because I was there, I wanted to win and what that would look like for me and really see myself doing it. Well, look, I I want to ask one more question about pageants, and I certainly want to talk about your career. Now, you're one of the rare individuals in the pageant world that has seen a pageant from a lot of different aspects. You've competed yeah. and won. You've been a commentator on on one. Yeah. You've judged just a couple of years ago in Vegas. Where, that's where you and I met. And now that you have seen them, or, or pageants, I should say, from all those different viewpoints, what was your favorite mm-hmm. position to be in? I did Miss Teen USA, Miss USA, and Miss Universe for years. And I think that that part was probably that was really fun for me but i also enjoyed the judging i guess those are sort of a tie definitely okay. not competing <laughs> that's last on the list okay okay but well, i also would have loved to have been like i think one other thing i would have loved to have done um and if i ever have an opportunity again maybe i could do it if i'm judging this miss louisiana is i would really like to just go sit and talk to the girls you know And really explain to them what they are in for, prepare them, don't take it so seriously, have fun, be yourself, like all of those things. So that's something maybe I could still do. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about your career um, and really the role that vaulted you into stardom back in the day. And it wasn't Miss USA. It was becoming what's now known as the Doritos girl. Now, I remember those commercials really well. I was uh, I think I was Mm -hmm. just, you know, graduating college at that time. You were kind of America's sweetheart at the time because of those commercials. Mm -hmm. Talk about mm-hmm. how that opportunity came uh, about and, you know, what you thought it was going to be when you got it. Well, it's another really funny story. I remember, you know, being in L.A., I had my Trans Am because that was the <laughs> car I won when I was Miss USA. Um, I had my Zooming Trans around. Am and my, and my Thomas Guide, right? And they called me in for the audition the first time, and I was like, it's raining. I am scared to drive. I am not. I can't go, right? So... <laughs> They called me again, my agent. I was rep by William Morris at the time. And they're like, listen, they have casted in New York and L.A. They cannot find the girl. You need to go today. So I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I guess I'll go today. So I go there, right? And I'm sort of like frustrated that I'm going because I know the drill, right? You walk in, the room is lined with like beautiful girls. And I was like, do I really? I looked at the board. I remember I looked at the board and, and they said, like kind of like dance around and pretend you're catching something in your mouth. And I'm like, great. (laughs) Is this really what I want to do today? And then I thought I'm dressed. So I'm here and I'm dressed. So let's just do it. 
So I remember going into the room and they were like exactly that. They put on like this James Bond music and like dance around and pretend you're catching something in your mouth, which is so weird. But then I thought, how can I do something different? Like, what, how can I make this different? So because I was in dancing and gymnastics, you know, since I was younger until like 17, I could do like this split thing, this cartwheel into a split and kind of like this front flip sort of thing. So I did all of that, right? And I got the job. And when they told me that it was going to air during the Super Bowl, I don't think, (laughs) I didn't really know. I didn't know what it meant to have a Super Bowl commercial because I never, I don't know. I don't think I ever, I don't think I'd watched a Super Bowl before. And if I did, I was probably playing in the black background and could care less about the game. (laughs) So I didn't know it was a big deal. I was just thinking, great, I got a job. And I didn't tell, I didn't even tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. So I remember watching the Super Bowl that year. I was actually dating a football player. At the time. <laughs> of course you were. I was, I was watching the football game with him. And again, I didn't tell anybody that I was in it. And I remember the commercial came on and the TV was so big. It was like a big, like not even a TV. It was like a movie screen or something huge. <laughs> and when I saw myself on camera, I, in my mind, I don't know if I actually did it, but in my mind, I slid down my chair. Like I felt <laughs> like I wanted to go into the table. And then, but I, I don't think I did. Just in my mind, that's what I thought I did. And, uh, and then the next day after that commercial, I'm not kidding you. I had people calling me to give me a record deal and I cannot sing. I had people call, like every television show wanted me as a guest star. Every, like everybody was calling. I had like all-star professional baseball players wanting to take me on dates. <laughs> you know, very famous <laughs> you were men the girl. that were like triple my age. Like, you know, again, wanting to take me on dates. I said no to everybody, but uh, it actually kind of scared me. I was like, oh, this is so weird. But it was, uh, it, it was like, it, everything changed in a day. Everything changed in a day, for sure, after that commercial. Now, remind yeah. me, I, was, I watched the commercial this morning just to get a recall of it. Yeah. Remind me of the two guys who were in the commercial with you that I believe went on to star in their own right. Sean Hayes, which, mm-hmm. which was on, uh, this was before Will and Grace. Yes. Um, and we've run into each other over the years. And it's so funny because that was like his start, my start. And honestly, the other guy, I don't remember. <laughs> but it was great. And after the success of that commercial, I went on to do like a few others here in the United States. And then I did a whole big campaign like in Europe. So that was also cool. So let me ask you this. Um, it obviously vaulted you into stardom overnight. As you mentioned, you be kind of mm-hmm. you, you became the thing, you know, the thing that everybody yeah. wanted. Did you have to shake that role after a while of being always known yeah. as the, quote, Doritos girl? No, I didn't mind that at all. I mean, people would um, people ask me that, like, do you mind if people call you the Doritos girl? And I'm like, listen, I bought a house with Doritos. <laughs> like, it's all good. It is all good. <laughs> So, no, I'm really grateful for that. Really, really grateful for Doritos, for sure. Let, let's talk about, you know, I, you know, since beauty comes into that whole thing, and that's kind of, you know, what vaulted you. Uh, you've been named on mm-hmm. numerous lists, as we mentioned, over mm-hmm. your career for beauty. So People Magazine yeah. named you one of the 50 most mm-hmm. beautiful people. FHM named you yeah. one of the 100 sexiest women. AskMen.com does the same thing. Do you like the idea of those lists in this modern-day culture we live in, or do you feel a little uncomfortable being shed in that light? Totally uncomfortable. And at the time, I think I was, I was so young, right? I was young and naive to the business and still listening to reps and agents and what I should do. And I, like, I didn't have my voice yet, right? And I, I look back, I mean, it was cool and that's cool that I named in all those lists, 
But if I had my voice at that time, I would not have allowed myself to be exploited like that. You know, Um, I have a daughter now who I am, you know, I don't let her wear. I mean, she doesn't wear short shorts. She doesn't wear anything tight. She does like, you know, she's at a very conservative Catholic school. Like I would, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm one of those people. I'm going to have to face my daughter seeing me in like a skimpy bikini, you know, with a sexy you know, in a sexy pose mm-hmm. in a men's magazine. I mean, thank God I didn't do Playboy or I wasn't like nude, but it's like just one of those things. Like I'm definitely not proud of that. And it really, that was another shift for me because in the beginning after the Doritos commercial, I mean, they were really, you know, all the roles I was getting was like the hot girl, the sexy girl, the, you know, and, <laughs> and in my, I'm really not, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm that, you know, I'm the one that I get out of the swimming pool and I wrap a towel around me because, you know, who walks around like that, just prancing around. So it's not me at all. It never was me. So I guess maybe I was not true to myself and who I was in those, those years. So yeah, I don't, I don't particularly like that. I made the shift for sure, you know, and really started gearing my career and my voice towards what I really love and what I'm passionate about. And it's connecting with women and sharing my story in a very authentic, honest way. And, uh, and now I'm very proud to say that, that, you know, that shift, that transition has been made, you know, I, I feel that I really succeeded there. Uh, because the conversations now I'm having on the Reshape platform with women, such honest conversations, that means the world to me. Well, do you think that like former Miss USA's tend to, they tend to get that stereotype? I mean, let's take, you know, Shana Mokler, Allie Landry, Shawnee Jebbia, Shandy Finnessy, people like that. You know, when they get out, they kind of are falling into that stereotype of, oh, she's the sexy girl. Do you feel like that still exists a little bit? I mean, yes, I think at the beginning, I think you have to prove yourself. I mean, I actually think today people might respect Miss USA, Miss Universe, um, that title a little more like in the world, in the public, especially. And I, and I guess I'm really relating to Hollywood, to entertainment business, um, to be taken seriously. I think now maybe more so than it was back then. So after yeah. the after the Doritos girl thing, you know, acting came as one of the you know, new callings in your career. Uh, we mentioned the shows yeah. you were on, Felicity, Two Guys mm-hmm. and a Girl, Sunset Beach, Popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy acting or did you kind of simply see it as a means to an end to get to where you wanted to go with your career? No, I love it. I mean, it's always very challenging. I really like all aspects of the entertainment business. And I've been so fortunate over the years that I've never been put completely in a box. In the beginning of my career, either you had to choose your host, you're an actor TV, or you're an actor in film, you know, or you're maybe like a spokesperson. Now, those lines are completely blurred, uh, where you could sort of jump around everywhere. And then now, of course, you have social media and everything that's going on there. But I was fortunate that I was able to jump from acting to hosting to, again, being a spokesperson. I really, like, moved around that space and had a really, you know, successful career. So that was amazing for me. Moving into the other side of the space, uh, producing and directing, it's a big part of your family. Your husband, Alejandro, is a writer and director. Uh, You've executive produced some shows, including, uh, I I believe it's called Hollywood Girls Night. Hollywood Girls Night, yeah. right? So is mm-hmm. getting into that aspect of the business, I guess, is it almost a foregone conclusion when you're acting for long enough and you kind of start to see how the productions work behind the scenes? I think there's still some people that wait for a job, you know, wait for the agents or the managers to find those jobs. You go out of the audition like the traditional way. I think my husband, because like, you know, he's the real deal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> crazy talented, like genius. You know, he writes, directs, he produces 
you know, $20 million films uh, that they completely raise all the money themselves. So when we started dating, he really encouraged me to create my own opportunities, you know? And now that I had, at that time, I had found my voice and I knew what I loved. And some of those, the passions that I had wasn't really reflecting in my career or the opportunities that were coming to me job-wise. So then I was like, you know, I'm going to create it. So he really supported me in that. And, um, you know, whenever I get some, I, I'm really passionate about something, then I could like, you know, really take it by the reins and go for it. So yeah, I enjoy it. And it's something I'm going to continue doing, but I still like doing all the other stuff. Well, I was reading on your website this morning that you partnered, uh, I believe with the former producer of the Oprah Winfrey show on a project that apparently is going mm-hmm. out to uh, networks this spring. Can you, can you mm-hmm. give us any details about that? Well, Ellen, her name is Ellen Rakuten. Ellen uh, was my executive producer of Hollywood Girls Night. And uh, we just became really great friends. She's really talented. And we are actually pitching a show right now, you know, around reshape, around the health, beauty, wellness kind of. We're trying to figure out if it's going to be a docuseries or, or how are we going to do it. But so I, I really enjoy working with her. You have quite a few of what we'll call celebrity mommy friends <laughs> that you've had mm-hmm. on shows uh, with you. And I know that you keep in close contact with. Uh, one of those being a mutual friend of ours and a former pageant queen herself, Nancy O'Dell. Yeah. Talk, talk about how you all help each other navigate being a quote unquote celebrity mom. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're all moms, celebrity, not celebrity on television, not on television. You know, it, you, we're dealing with the same exact things. You know, the kids are screaming. They don't want to eat healthy food. They just want to eat sugar. They don't want to go to bed. <laughs> you're running around for sports in the afternoon. You're tired. You have to wake up. You know, like we're all dealing and all the wonderful stuff, too. But, but we're really talking about all the other stuff, the stuff that <laughs> frustrates us. You know, so it really puts us all, you know, I said after I had my first child, it was really exciting for me because I felt like I was part of a very exclusive club, right? So now, you know, when I meet women, especially if they have children, it's it's an instant bond, you know, they have a children and family and really just they're trying to juggle it like everybody else is. Sometimes maybe they don't let it, they don't show it, but we're really all going through the same thing. Well, you know, you mentioned that you grew up in a big family. Now you have a big family. As a celebrity yourself, is it Mm -hmm. challenging to raise kids with them knowing that you're a celebrity or their friends knowing that you're a celebrity or their challenges that you have to deal with along those lines? If there are, I really don't let that, I mean, I don't pay that any mind at all. (laughs) You know, it's all my, it's all my children know. Right. I mean, there has my dad, their father is shooting movies. Um, you know, I'm working. They, I don't think they really even know what I do, to be honest. I, I really don't. Um, <laughs> and that's OK. I mean, my daughter, when I took her with me to ju- that's part of the reason I said yes to go and judge Miss USA. I was so busy. It was hard for me to do it. But my daughter, I was like, it would be really cool. They might not ever ask me again. And she's at an age where she would really appreciate that. So I was like, let's do it. So we went to judge and she's like. Mommy, you were Miss. I didn't even tell her. I forgot to tell her. Mommy, you were Miss USA. You don't tell me anything. She was so upset with me. You don't tell me any of the, of the cool stuff you've done. You know, like, so I'm always dropping the bombs on her of like things that I've done. You did that. You know that person. You know, she's 11. So she's definitely aware. Um, it's pretty easy. You know, our day to day life is, is pretty normal. And my friends are like, I, I can't. Like, I really like real women, like, you know, real girls that are just, they kind of like let it all out there. There's so many people in the business that are just like hyper aware of themselves or what they're eating, which is great. But, you know, I just, I, just too much fuss, like too much for me. 
So I, I really have an amazing group of friends and everybody's sort of in the business here and all my really close friends in, in Louisiana, you know, they totally support me and accept our life. And I've navigated all of that pretty well, I have to say. Very good. Well, I yeah. love the humility in that answer. So I appreciate that. Mm, so. Sure. So a lot of women who graduate from the pageant world, they tend to, to move to one of two places to pursue their dreams. Of course, I'm talking about L.A. and New York. Um, and now mm-hmm. as, you, as you have been down this road and seen some success with it, but also seen how Hollywood has evolved over the last 20 years, what advice right. would you give to those women who either make the move or they want to make the move to pursue a career either in television or in Hollywood? Wow. <laughs> I mean, Deep. I think the most important thing is to find your community. You know, wherever you're going to move, wherever it is, New York, L.A., it can be a long, can be lonely places. And in the beginning, I was pretty lonely, I have to say, until I started meeting like real friends. And I think that didn't happen until after I gave up Miss USA, then I had more normal life, you know. Um, but once I started building that community of friends and that support system, everything sort of changed for me. So that's more like for my emotional health, right? My emotional well-being. You know, I found a church and and great friends and started like learning my way around. And then I think in the business now, it's really so different. I mean, before I would say, you know, you're, you're at an advantage coming off of Miss USA, Miss Universe, Miss Teen USA, you know, where you will be introduced to managers and agents. And, and I think it's very important to find the right one, like somebody you really connect with, but most importantly, that really understands who you are at the core of your being. I think that's really important. And the other thing right now with social media, start creating your own content, you know, and finding things you're passionate about doing videos. Like there's no reason you have to wait for a job or wait for somebody to bring you a job now. You know, in the meantime, while you're waiting for the calls from the agents for those auditions and those opportunities to come up, do your own thing. And I think a lot of girls and a lot of, you know, the millennials are already doing that. But now, you know, the playing field has definitely changed. Well, let's talk about your current venture that you've undertaken. And I love it, by the way, Reshape, um, where you're basically, Mm -hmm. you're helping women to get healthier and feel better. And the funny thing is I was watching the video this morning and, you know, I'm, I'm a man, you're a woman, but I was like, you know, Allie and I are a lot alike in terms of the whole health health approach to life. And I really loved it. So I was like, this is super cool. So talk about how you created the platform. The way I created the platform is last year I was doing Hollywood Today Live. Uh, it is a, it was a daily talk show syndicated like around the country. And, you know, I was in at 5 a.m. We were live at 9. And when you're live, you really need all cylinders firing, right? Oh, yeah. And especially, oh, yeah. it's not like I was by myself reading a prompter or, you know, tossing to a package or something. I was with a panel, you know, with three other people that were on top of their game. And I found myself like thinking, having a thought, but then it wasn't coming out my mouth the way I wanted it to come out. And this was happening over days. And then when I got home, the idea of this job, I was like, it's great. I'm home at 10. And then I could, you know, go work out. I could cook dinner. I could pick up the kit. Like I was going to have this like work family life. That was like the perfect situation. Well, it didn't turn out that way. When I got home, I was like exhausted, so exhausted that I, I just got in bed. I could, I didn't even think I cooked dinner half of that time. I was, my husband was really having to pick up the slack and, and we're fortunate enough to have like help. So she was really having to like step up because I was toast. So after like two weeks of this, I thought to myself, if I don't get this together, I'm going to lose this job. I'm going to lose this job. So I started seeing a naturopathic doctor 
and really, you know, did the blood work, which is the baseline of understanding your health. And, you know, she was talking about things that I really had never thought of or hadn't heard about before. And I, you know, I, I found out I had candida. I was losing my hair. Again, my digestion was crazy. I was like, all of these things were happening. And I just thought this, I talked to my girlfriend, you know, I, my, my, I always chat with my girlfriends from Louisiana to kind of gauge how things are, what they're going through. And they're like, yes, we're experiencing the same thing, but we're getting older. And I thought, oh no, this is not, it is not going down like this. I am so sorry, girls. So at that point I was like, I was really upset with them that they just kind of accepted like, yeah, we're getting older. We're aging. Um, it's like, no, no, no. So I really dug in, like I dug my heels in and I tried to like hack my health, if you will. Like I got connected with Dave Asprey of Bulletproof, like Dr. Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor, Naomi Widow of Glow 15 and the real skinny on fat. And, you know, all of these experts, uh, researchers, scientists in this health and wellness world. And again, I was so blown away by the information and the conversations that were happening. Like, you know, in the past five years, I feel like it's these concepts the general public doesn't even know about, right? So I started experiencing the next level of health. And I thought to myself, like, I'm a sharer by nature. You know, my husband always tells me, like, too much information. Like, you don't have to say all that. Uh, but I can't help myself. And I all and I feel like, you know, I have a platform. I have a voice. And if I can help other people, then all of this has been worth it. You know, that's what, why am I in this position that I'm in? I've said that from the very beginning of my career. So it's really come full circle, like, these past two years. And I thought, you know what? Like, I'm going to start this platform and I'm going to share it all. Like, I'm just going to put it all out there. And it's been great. You know, we've had a slow build. But now we're at a place where we're doing these incredible partnerships with different companies, you know, companies that I truly, truly believe in uh, and with products that could really improve the lives of so many women, men, of course. Um, I always say I don't like the men on my platform because I really, you know, I talk about crazy stuff like the vagina and I'm standing for you because I know women are listening it's okay. um, and you know how we're like urinating on ourselves after having three yeah you know all this stuff so I talk about it all and women like love it like they totally respond to that because nobody else is really talking about it so I'm really it's been it feels so good you know to have all these you know, I wake up each morning with so many direct messages in my Instagram, you know, in the mailbox. And now I'm just trying to encourage them to share like on the platform, because I think that their voice, whatever they're going through is going to help so many others. So it's a process, but it's a journey. And, um, you know, I'm so happy now that I have so many people coming on the journey with me. So that's what Reshape is, really. It's really cool. I'd love to talk with you about it, you know, in, in the future off the line from the podcast. But uh, you mentioned Dave Asprey and Bulletproof. Now, I do a Bulletproof mm -hmm. coffee uh, every morning I go work out. What's what's been your experience with the Bulletproof? You know, for me, it wasn't really about the coffee. For me, I started listening to the podcast. I was listening to Bulletproof Radio, right? And mm -hmm. again, it was the same things that I was hearing. It all started from the naturopathic doctor where she planted that seed for me, right? And then I just started hearing those words and those conversations like everywhere I was turning and the more research I was doing and, you know, I was connecting, you know, this doctor to this doctor and this one. And so when I was listening to the to Bulletproof Radio, again, she has people from all over the world that are, it's groundbreaking in health and wellness, uh, groundbreaking ideas and, you know, curing cancer and diabetes and, you know, longevity, talking about longevity and you could live to like 180 or something crazy like that. You know, also in contact with Tony Robbins and, you know, Peter Diamandis and, 
all these guys, but Dave has been really, really great because he shares the story really well. Like he's really, you know, people know Bulletproof Coffee. That's what they know, the brand. But because they know that brand, they're going to dig deeper into the brand and then they're going to get all this information, which is very smart of him. Um, and he has Bulletproof Labs, which is all of this equipment to like hack your health. So I go to labs a lot and he's just opening another one in Beverly Hills. I'm going to be going on the 30th for the, the um, grand opening. He has like a bulletproof conference, which is fascinating. So I, I like he really, and how it, that part happened with Dave, I was at a Tony Robbins event. Uh, Tony is one of the producers on my husband's film. And so he invited us to go to his big event in LA and I'm there, of course, thousands of people. And this guy, Dave Asprey, gets on. And I, I, you know, had only heard of Bulletproof Coffee. And he starts talking about your mitochondria. And I was like, wait, I think I learned that in high school. But what did they do? <laughs> the powerhouses of the cell. I was like, this guy is nuts. I'm like, he's talking about mitochondria to over 3,000 people. We're all like digging in our brain like mitochondria, mitochondria. What's a mitochondria? You know, like, who does that? You know what I'm saying? Like, unless you're in a room of like, this wasn't like a health summit right? The Tony Robbins event. This was like about motivation. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins. So I was like, this guy is nuts. I have to meet him. And then that was it. I did a few posts on Instagram. We actually connected on Instagram. He started sending me products and we connected in person. I interviewed him and now, you know, it's great. So I don't know. I, I, I'm really passionate about this, this field and um, sharing the information and the knowledge that I'm learning with other women. So yeah, it's been really yeah. rewarding. Well, it definitely sounds like it. What would you ultimately love to see happen with it? Obviously, you've got a, a television show in the works as you're talking about. Would you like to see anything bigger than that? I mean, the plan is, you know, I use Goop as my model. Gwyneth Paltrow's site. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to, I want to start selling products that I love and believe in on the site, number one. Uh, so we're doing like affiliate programs and programs with, to companies. And I'm not going to put anything on there that I don't truly, truly believe in and love. And then, of course, we want to create our own products. Um, but, you know, right now, a lot of it's on health and wellness, but, you know, we're also doing some things with the beauty and we're doing stuff with lifestyle and, you know, really just across the board. So we already do an online an online show. And now we're trying to take that to television. That's part of what we're pitching. Uh, but it, we're finding all kinds of really cool ways to work with other companies and to kind of get the message out there. So there's a lot in the works right now. Well, speaking of television, you had mentioned Hollywood Today Live, which was kind of one of the areas in which you were working in when you started to feel, you know, I guess kind of mentally unhealthy a little bit. Um, but, you know, yeah. host, hosting was a dream for you. You wanted to host a daily talk show. That ended up being it. You mentioned back when you hosted uh, the Miss USA's with Julie Moran, that was a big deal. It sounds like hosting is definitely something that is uh, kind of a passion for you on the side. You know what hosting is for me? Hosting, number one, is easy for me. That's the thing. I always said from day one, like after I had the opportunity to post my first show, again, not shortly after Doritos, years ago, it's it's something that it's really easy for me to be really natural and to be myself and to kind of be funny and, you know, all of that. That's that's something that's always been easy. And I really, really like it. And, you know, I feel like it changes. It, it changes a lot. Like each job is a little bit different. And as you can tell, I'm a very passionate person. So, you know, I have no problem, like whatever I'm, I'm talking about to be super excited, especially if I believe in it. So yeah, hosting is something that I really, really enjoy doing. And actually, I'm up for two different shows right now. So keeping my fingers crossed that the right one goes through, but we'll see. Well, definitely good luck with that. I'm actually surprised we haven't Thanks. seen you host one of the national pageants, if that's the case. So you just made me remember, I actually commentated. <laughs> I commented, because I was like, no, I commentate. I was, I was co-hosting for several, and then a few of them 
I, I was one of the main hosts. It was myself and a guy, a football player. Well, it sounds like you're very entrepreneurial. I know you launched another company called Favored By, which, you, you know, kind of you, you, it's a mobile app that, you know, you share baby products yeah. with moms out there. Yeah. Where does the yeah. entrepreneurial side of you come from? Is it kind of from your husband encouraging you or is it just something that by nature you are? I think it's something by nature that I am. I really do. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really love it. Okay. I do. I love it. I don't know. Whenever I find something again at the time and all my, the things that I am producing or I get behind, it's really, it follows the path of what I'm going through in my life. Like when I launched Favored By, I was, I just had a Stella. I was having the hardest time. I love products, number one, right? So I was going to this baby expo in Las Vegas, like the largest in the country and, you know, seeing all these manufacturers and these brands and some incredible products that no one knew about. Like my friends didn't know about, they're not in the big box store. So how are people going to know about them? So I was like, okay, let's do a platform. Let's do an app where we can review these products and like-minded moms can review them. So you can really get honest feedback and make the right purchasing choices for your family. Cause a lot of these things were high price items. So we ended up that, that company was acquired um, by a company in New York. So they had a full platform for, for moms and babies. And we were really just product reviews. So we fit into what they were already doing, which is great. And what was left over from Favored By is I, again, car seat. I was dealing with a car seat with my daughter, wanting to find the best one, realized my car seat was installed improperly. So I decided to become a uh, car seat technician. So I became a certified car seat technician. <laughs> and then I thought, oh my gosh, my friend, if my car seat, I'm like so type A, if my car seat was installed improperly, how many other people's car seats are installed improperly? And nobody talks about this. So I launched um, the red carpet, carpet safety awareness event. Again, it started with just uh, car seat safety. And now we are cover, we cover all areas of safety for children and families and babies. And we do it at Sony Studios and we have you know, celebs and VIPs in the morning. And then we open it up to the general public in the afternoon. We have speakers. It's amazing. So yeah, I still do that. Well, I just love how much you love to help people, especially with the platform that you have. We just, I think we need more Allie Landry's out there. So good for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. So it's time for the rapid fire, get to know you questions. This is totally, you know, it's like a game show speed round. It's totally meant to be fun. So just have fun with these answers if you want to. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Number one. Who inspires you? My mom. Number two, what's your middle name? Jermaine. <laughs> you see, I'm so competitive. I'm, I'm your question. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're like on it. Is that with a J or a G? Like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm just really fast with a buzzer. If you had a buzzer, I would be killing it. Okay, let's go. Number three. I'm ready. Do you find handlebar mustaches to be handsome? No. <laughs> Number four, At what's first your... I had to think, what is that? <laughs> okay. What's your it. favorite clothing brand? Show me your moomoo. Love it. Or one of my Colombian friends that are designers. Sylvia Tricci. Cami will love that. Or Paul. Yeah. Cami will love that. <laughs> Most embarrassing yeah. store you might be seen shopping at? Store. Oh, my gosh. That's a good one. <laughs> I go in all the... I mean, well, people would say going to the dollar store is embarrassing, but I don't... I mean, I think it's a great deal. So I'm not really embarrassed. I own it. So let's just say that. <laughs> So Dollar General, that's totally good for you. Dollar General. What's something that you could eat for a week straight? Crawfish etouffee. (laughs) Total Louisiana answer. I love it. I love it. That's easy. That's easy for me. That's also my last meal, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good to know. Good to know. If if you're ever on your deathbed, I'll know what to get you. Just bring that to me with a little potato salad. No onions in the potato salad, please. 
Wow, you've got this down. I do. I thought about that a lot. What's your favorite carnival food? Oh, uh, funnel cake. Easy, because it's like a beignet. <laughs> it is like a beignet. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long can you hold your breath for? Well, I was tested on that for fear factor, and that's part of the reason why I lost, because I couldn't hold my breath any longer. So I would say, like, I don't know. I haven't timed it, but I think it's a pretty long time. Not long minute, enough, obviously. Two minutes? Maybe. Which, which, which long, but not, like, crazy long. I'm there. I'm there. I mean, I, I think a minute's pretty solid. Yeah, I would say it's maybe a little over a minute. Okay, very good. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Oh, wow. We could go deep on that one. I know so we could. I would ask, I could, I'll, I'll be honest, you see, this is me, I'm being very honest. I would ask God why my father-in-law and my brother-in-law were taken from us in the way that they were. That I would ask God. Be a very yeah. good question. All right, last yeah. one. Nickname that your parents used to call you. They never called me a nickname. Never? Did you have one uh, in school? No, never. So you've always just been Allie? Always just been Allie. Did I anybody ever call you Jermaine? Call me Alexandra. Uh, maybe my grandmother or my aunt when they were like, when I was doing something wrong. Or I would get Allie Jermaine. Um, which I was like, why did... I know it's my great-grandmother's name, but Jermaine, that's like... People only knew Jermaine Jackson at the time. I was like, oh, gosh, no. <laughs> so, um, so you wanted to be yeah. Alexandra. I did. I did. Now I have an appreciation because I, my mom did name me after Allie McGraw in 1973. Love story. Um, and I love Allie McGraw. And she knows. I haven't met her personally, but I know people who know her. And I made sure that she knew that I was named after her. Um, but I want, at the time when I was young, I didn't want to be called Allie. I wanted to be called Alexandra. Very good. Well, hey, you're off the hot seat, and you did about as good as anybody's done. I mean, you were super quick on those answers. I think we need to get you on a real game show to do that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, this has been super fascinating, and I really appreciate the time. And I I know the girls are going to just love hearing from you and just come what you've been doing uh, since Miss USA. And you have a lot going on, and I will certainly share with them uh, where they can go to check out Reshape. So thanks for the time today, and I certainly hope to catch up with you if you can come to Miss Louisiana this year. Well, let's follow up on that for sure. And thank you so much for taking me down memory lane. It's fun to do that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It was great chatting with you, really, really awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode and to Allie Landry for her time. And if you want to learn more about her Reshape initiative, go to reshapelive.com or you can follow Allie on Instagram at Allie Landry. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Galatians 6.9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Have a great week, everybody. 